and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Grime Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Niharika. And I'm Paige. In today's episode, you'll be hearing from Johnson, Winter and Slattery, who have a bit of a reputation for being the energy and resource firm. So as you can probably guess, they will be talking to us all about the practice of energy and resources. We also have a great range of guests on today's episode that work across Australia from Sydney all the way over to Perth. In this episode, you'll hear all about the great breadth of their energy and resource practice. Although they don't say it themselves, they really are experts in this area and know more than just the legal concepts behind the projects they work on, such as mining to renewable energy. They also get exposure to huge clients and high-profile projects in this area. So to get started in today's episode, we'll hand it over to our guests now to introduce themselves. So I'm George Croft and I'm a partner based in Perth in the Dispute Resolution Practice Group, but I kind of straddle energy and resources as well because of the focus of my practice. So I kind of luckily sit in two groups. So my name is Gemma Patesny. Um, I'm an associate at JWS. Um, I work across the project's energy and resources practices as well as corporate M&A with a bit of focus on energy and resources transactions. Um, I started at our Adelaide office as a clerk in at the start of 2017 and then moved across to Sydney. That sounds lovely. We'll start with a few kind of get to know you fun questions. First question I will ask though is if you could order one coffee forever that had to be your order permanently from now forward, what would your order be? Uh, I'm an iced almond latte girl and I think it's a recent change moving to Sydney so it might not be so good in the colder Adelaide winter, but you know, for now. What about you, George? I am a big fan of the Long Mac topped up three quarters, which does not exist anywhere else in Australia. And I didn't know anything about until I moved to Perth 10 years ago, but it's a glorious coffee. It is nice and strong. It's kind of like a double shot latte with a bit less milk, but it's very popular over here. So I have I have become a big fan of that since moving west. I have actually not heard that in so long. I remember I used to work at a cafe and when people used to order that, my writing would be halfway across the bench with some people's coffee orders because I think three quarters topped up as well is something you only ever hear in Perth. We don't exist over here. (laughs) And then this one is quite a fun one. I like this now is what is a song that you wish more people knew about? I had to think about this question and I'm going to answer it in reverse. So I'm going to answer the question, what is a song that you hope that other people never hear. And I've got a two-year-old daughter and she has she's obsessed with only two songs in the world. They're called We're Going to the Zoo and How Do You Do. She requires us to put them on repeat whenever we're in the car. The joys of having children, it only gets yeah. better. <laughs> and then this one as well is a new one that we found a bit fun, but is there a saying or a bit of a phrase that you wish made a comeback that people started saying again or the inverse? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s grew up in the early 90s big fan of the simpsons when i was a kid so i think cowabunga dude could make a comeback <laughs> well look you can start the trend now <laughs> all right well now we'll go into questions about jws if you could describe the firm in three words what would be the words that you would choose for me the three words are probably collegiate commercial and different or a bit different we're a full service national firm with about 70 partners and a few hundred lawyers we're collegiate in the sense that we're still small enough for everyone to kind of know each other, both at the partner and the associate level. Mm -hmm. We work a lot across offices. Commercial, we're really proud of that. We have real hands-on involvement in all of our matters from partners. So we try and bring a real commercial um, sort of acumen slant to all the work that we do. And different, uh, we're a bit different because we're a bit younger. 
we've got this low leverage model. We tend to play in the same space as uh, all the top tier firms that a lot of the listeners will be really familiar with, but we just like to think that we're, we've got a slightly different slant to things. Three words that I came up with were collaborative, flexible and innovative. So it comes from the fact that we don't have hugely set siloed teams. And so it's very much picking out the need where there is capacity and someone knows or you know has particular knowledge in something, you can use that resource, um, whether they're in your office or in your team or you know someone you've never really worked with, you can kind of just yell out and someone will be able to help you out with your question. And flexible um, is sort of the same in that way. And especially um, when you start as a grad, which I did, it's flexible in where you work and what you do. You're able to basically float between every practice area. And then innovative, those solving problems in an innovative way. And that sort of comes to that commercial approach that we take that you really often try to think not only, you know, the solution in sort of a one track manner, but really just try to think more broadly about the way the client needs to deal with an issue, you know, outside of the box kind of thinking. So yeah, those are, those are my three. No, that sounds so great. And I actually have heard previously as well that um, JWS does have that really great sort of model where you're not siloed into your practice area that you're working in and that there is quite a bit of flexibility to move around and try different things. So it's good to hear that uh, reaffirmed as well. And then this one is, what is a myth about working in the law that you think the firm dispels? Something we're quite proud of, we tend to spruik quite a bit, is that we don't have firm billable hours targets. So when you come out of law school, you hear most of the commercial firms that you might look to go to have sort of set daily or weekly or monthly or yearly billable hours targets. We do, just like they do, bill in six-minute increments generally, unless we agree another arrangement with the client. But we don't, we try not to really closely track all our lawyers' utilisation and rank them effectively, which some firms will try to do based on how busy they are. So we do track utilisation because it makes sure that people have enough work to do and also make sure that people who have too much work to do aren't struggling but we don't have that fixation on billable hours targets that, that a lot of firms do. Good to hear, Alex. I think that is a bit of a stress when they're, so you have to meet X number of hours and this kind of work doesn't count and pro bono work doesn't count. And yeah. it could be very stressful to find enough hours in the day to get through everything. This one, I guess you could speak on the firm broadly, but I did have a little uh, skim through the Chambers 500 list. and your energy and resources team is phenomenal. So maybe there's something, um, an accolade or an award that you guys have done or projects that you've worked on that you'd be really proud of that you maybe want to share with people? I guess my view is that, um, you know, all those accolades are really great and, you know, getting a awards is all well and good. Um, but I, I think um, our primary focus is really on the specific um, client matter that we're working on at that point in time or multiple things that you might be working on. And the focus is on delivering the highest quality service to the clients. So I personally, and I know all my colleagues take pride in being able to help client navigate a really complex problem. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a small bit of advice on something particular or a really big deal. That's so lovely to hear that mm. the client is so important 
important to everything that you guys do every day. I think that's really encouraging that that is a priority for yourself and the firm. The firm has won a bunch of awards over the years. Like we've, we've been um, named Oil and Gas Law Firm of the Year by Best Lawyers this year and have been almost every year over the last, not quite every year, but over a number of years over the last decade. Our DR team uh, was named a Team of the Year by the Lawyers Weekly Australian Law Awards this year as well. So our National Dispute Resolution Team, which is all very nice and it kind of makes you feel warm and fuzzy and you go, oh, that's great. But awards and rankings and things, as Gemma said, are kind of by the by. What makes you feel most proud is doing a really good job and getting a great result for your client much more than, you know, having something on your signature block that says your firm or your team won an award, even though it's nice. (laughs) No, that's really nice to hear. Maybe, George, do you want to go first of giving us a sort of broad overview of what that actually is because from my vague understanding it's actually a really broad area sure it is so we have i would say one of the leading energy and resources practices nationally across australia a lot of our um, really established practitioners um, came from larger firms 10 20 years ago when the firm was still quite young i guess when people think about an energy and resources practice generally they're talking about those lawyers that do work on large projects so financing for projects, the joint venture documentation that might go with, you know, a large joint venture project, offtake agreements, um, you know, regulatory advice and acting for clients to actually help them set up and get approvals for a project. Um, and then you tend to bring into that work um, advisors from other practice groups as well. So it's, it is a, a really broad practice and saying um, I'm an energy and resources lawyer sometimes won't tell the other person all that much. Within being an energy and resources lawyer as well, you might have people who have particular expertise in oil and gas, some who have expertise in what we call hard rock mining, like digging up iron or others who have that regulatory focus, others who might be focused on the electricity sector. So it's a it's an umbrella term, if you like, for what a lot of different people do in the firm. What sort of drew you to this area? If you did sort of have that broad rotation, you've kind of touched most areas that the firm covers. Why did you come back? <laughs> Before I even started at JWS, I had I really had no idea what energy law involved. I, I knew it was um, something that JWS was very renowned for. So um, I was interested in getting involved with that just because of the quality of the people that I thought I would have the opportunity to work with. So having started my career in the Adelaide office, I did get a lot of early exposure to the energy practice. Um, that's the major focus of our Adelaide office, just because of the nature of the market and the clients that you'd have in Adelaide. I was drawn particularly to energy and resources because of the diversity of the work previously mentioned. It sort of spans everything. It's basically working in the energy sector um, in any sort of capacity. Um, And then, as I said, um, the quality of the work um, and the partners that I was working for. So I really saw it as a great opportunity to work from some really excellent minds. And then having started, I was, I guess, surprised about how interested I I became in the subject matter. Um, I'm a bit of a um, geek about renewable energy now and really love talking about it. So um, it's, yeah, it's just become like something that I'm incredibly interested in. So that's awesome. It sounds like such a great area to work in. Yeah, it and is. definitely the firm for it as well, I think. Yeah, that's right. What drew me to energy and resources, it's a really short answer. Basically, I moved to Perth 10 years ago and <laughs> have no idea 
over here, but to work in the oil uh, and gas and mining sectors or for contractors in those sectors. actually started out in Melbourne um, in 2009. I was a graduate at Mallison's and did my first few years over there. And then, yeah, moved to Perth in 2011 and joined JWS. And the Perth office of JWS in particular is very energy and resources focused anyway. So just joining this office and working for the types of clients that we work for, it was kind of set in stone what I was going to do. I think you're right about Perth. <laughs> it is the thing, um, but um, hopefully you're enjoying it. No, that's it. It's home now, so I'm, I'm not leaving. <laughs> oh, well, that's very good. I'm glad to hear. And like I said earlier, I did do a bit of reading, but you guys have an extremely impressive client list in this area of some of the biggest mining companies, well, the biggest mining companies. But maybe for the listeners, do you want to give maybe a broad stroke or a few highlights of some of the key clients that you work with, whether that's companies or sort of back to that sector thing that we were talking about, about whether it is oil and gas or electricity, um, just so people have an idea of what kind of companies they'd be engaging with if they did work in this space. We have three sort of sectors within that energy and resources umbrella um, that we act for clients in. So one is oil and gas. And in the oil and gas sector, some of our biggest clients include done work for Total over the years, big French oil and gas company. We also do quite a bit of work for Santos. So Santos are very big in WA and also in South Australia. Numerous partners there in our office do work for Santos. On the mining side of things, um, I do work for Rio Tinto and so do a few of the other partners in the office. So they're a big client, relatively big client of ours um, here. We've got some larger matters for them on at the moment. And then we do work for sort of service providers to operators in the mining and oil and gas space too. So one of our big clients in the Perth office is Parenti Group, which used to be known as Ausdrill, effectively a mining services contractor. And then there's the electricity sector as well. So one of our partners here does uh, a lot of work for um, generators. So, you know, companies that actually operate and sell electricity into the system here in WA, as well as retailers too. So we do a lot of work for the um, state-owned regional retailer generator and retailer called Horizon Power. Power is centralised in WA, isn't it? It's kind of different over here, the electricity sector. And when you're a lawyer and move over here, if you practice on the East Coast, you kind of have to learn everything again because it's all a bit different. For me, the clients that I mainly worked with was um, actually quite a bit for the South Australian government. So we were, we've been heavily involved with energy reform, um, looking at with a big focus on renewables. So we've done a lot of projects um, and various matters for them in relation to that. I've also worked with um, energy regulators. So um, the Australian Energy Market Operator, AEMO, and the Australian Energy Market Commission. So we'd advise on drafting the national electricity rules and various bits and pieces on that and then various companies in the energy space. So um, it's it's quite broad. And kind of just a question of me being a little bit naive, but in relation to when you do work with regulators, is that a significant proportion of that in advising companies as to whether or not they're meeting what's required of them based on like legislation or regulatory matters? Or can it be more about sort of, do you guys ever give advice to the government or other bodies about potential reforms to those legislations based on the work? you do with companies we we do both really so um working with companies and you know advising them on the the regimes are 
quite complex, especially the um, <laughs> the electricity market rules. It, it's it can be quite complex. So we we advise them. We advise um, the um, market operators on the way the rules apply to them, and so that's quite an interesting and quite fun, complex sort of statutory interpretation task. You've all said that there's a lot going on between companies and suppliers and retailers and a whole bunch of other things that I can't even remember off the top of my head. But maybe who are the other key sort of industries that you might engage with in your role as a lawyer here, like uh, even like the government or like other financial institutions and other, I guess, corporate bodies that might also need to be part of these transactions or litigation matters. So for example, in a big M&A transaction, there will most likely be corporate advisors, maybe invest an investment bank involved. Um, you have the other party and whoever is about like, you know, their lawyers and things, then there might be, you know, some regulatory aspects to that. And then there'll be, you know, tax advisors to the company. And fi- yeah, so it's 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 very broad. Bit of everything, really. Um, and I do know someone mentioned this a bit earlier. Are there any kind of exciting developments that are coming up in this area? I guess there is a big climate change push at the moment too. So maybe there's a few um, renewable projects in the works or some government reform that would be um, beneficial to the climate change cause. But um, is there anything you guys know that's a bit fun or new that was coming your way? One of my sort of um, particular interests is in hydrogen, which I don't know if you've heard too much about it. Um, it's It seems to get um, tout around in the news from time to time, but that might I might just have noticed it myself. The many options for sort of uh, a renewable um, energy resource. Um, and so the idea is that you can split a water molecule into hydrogen and oxygen to produce hydrogen um, in a clean way. And then that hydrogen can be used, for example, in cars or to replace the gas in like a gas distribution network. I think it's quite a good concept. If you use renewable energy to create the hydrogen, then it's it's a very clean um, energy carrier. Most A lot of the Australian states are very keen to jump on board with this. Um, there's a lot of um, international interest in hydrogen, particularly from Japan and Korea. There's there's a lot of um, new projects um, that are getting kind of started up recently. We, um, we did a bit of work with Australian Gas Infrastructure Group. They're doing a trial at the moment of replacing the gas in the gas network with hydrogen. So they've, I think they've actually just started it um, in a small area in South Australia. They've they've got an, an electrolyzer that's producing hydrogen that then is now being used in a gas network. And so there's there are some really interesting new projects going on in this space. No, that's so interesting. I can see the excitement on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it is an exciting time with new potential um, energy sources like hydrogen coming on board for a lot of the big companies, some of which we work for that have traditionally been oil and gas companies and have branded themselves as oil and gas companies for, you know, 50, 100 years, um, you know, they're now realising that they need to move with the times and are calling themselves renewable energy companies or, you know, energy companies. But what's really exciting about that is that they have, you know, the capital and the experience and the know-how to actually do some really exciting things with renewables looking forward now. So we'll see the focus of a lot of those multinational, what we used to call oil and gas companies, change. And then sort of moving to a bit of advice for students, what are maybe some ways that they could build their knowledge in this area? You know, are the particular journals or 
magazines, uh, podcasts, Twitter accounts, whatever it may be, that they can kind of keep up to date and build a bit of knowledge if they were interested in this area and they wanted to sort of speak on it in an interview or something? Just read the paper and read the Fin Review and read what big, um, you know, mining and energy companies are doing and, you know, what they're what's causing difficulties for them, what they're doing well, what they're doing to, as we were just saying, generate um, electricity that might, they might need for a new project, what they're doing differently. Just read the papers and keep an eye on the media and you just kind of absorb it. And then if you end up working in the area, that at least will provide you a really good foundation. If you're a massive nerd, you could go off and read every um edition of the Australian Resources and Energy Law Journal, but um, I certainly didn't do that. So I wouldn't recommend that others do that while they're at university either. (laughs) I think you've done just fine without it. (laughs) I was able to take a course on energy law at uni. So um, that was a really interesting um, way to get to know a sort of a broad understanding of the industry um so that that was helpful as well but um likewise I think you you learn most of what you need on the job so um yeah and no one's expecting you to know everything about energy law before you start so that's (laughs) no that's great and I think every single person I've ever asked this question to is like read the financial review (laughs) one day I'll start I will listen (laughs) and then just as a last question um before we wrap up is do you guys have any advice or insights into the clerkship process and what uh, might help students applying at JWS specifically the JWS process is I guess it's one of the easier ones to apply for um, in that regard but I would say just give it a go um, and show your personality. Cover letter, I'd just say just set yourself apart a little bit. Uh, A vanilla mundane cover letter is not going to get you very far. So if there's something different about you, if you've had a different experience, if you think you could bring something different to legal practice, if you're particularly interested about about a, a project that you've read or a deal that you've read about the firm doing, don't just mention it, but say why you're interested in that. That will set you apart a bit. Proofread your cover letter as well because that's almost, um, they get torn up if they've got typos in them, so that's unforgivable. <laughs> but if you get past that um, first stage and get an interview, as Gemma was saying, all we really look for is just someone who's, pardon me for saying this, nice, normal, easy to get on with, is going to be a good cultural fit. Um, you know, be yourself, show the sort of person that you are. You want to basically demonstrate to the people who are interviewing you that you'd be a fun, committed person, you know, committed to to doing the best job for the for our clients that we can. Um, so don't put on any act, don't put on a front, just, just be yourself. No, I think that's really good advice. Thank you so much um, for coming on and sharing all of your insights. I really appreciate no it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Grind podcast. We are very excited to be bringing you season three, which will continue to be released every Monday and Wednesday to make sure we can cover as many practice areas as we can before the clerkship deadlines come around. Mm-hmm.